The prophet Micah, having pronounced judgment upon Judah, speaks of a future shepherd king who, like David, will come from the small town of Bethlehem. When we say Ephrathah, we are referring to the area around the town of Bethlehem. This king will restore Israel and bring peace. New Testament writers understood this passage to be referring to Jesus. Our first lesson is from the book of Micah, the fifth chapter. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, of ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when the rest of his brothers, uh, when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm of for today is from Psalm 80. Give here, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned among the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. For our second lesson, the author of Hebrews uses the image of religious sacrifice to convey the significance of Christ's coming. Through obedient acceptance of God's will, Christ allows his body to become the greatest sacrifice of all, one through which we are made a holy people. The second reading is from Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and in sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, for these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying 
and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall, name, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose, and she went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah, and she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months, then returned to her home. The Gospel of our Lord. So there's a man named Dr. Craig Barnes. He's the pastor of a fairly prestigious church. It's the National Presbyterian Church in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. He tells about one day near this Christmas day that he was walking down the streets of Washington, D.C. He was very late, or he thought he was going to be late, for a very important meeting, or a meeting with an influential government leader. So Knowing that he's potentially going to be late, he rushes out of his office. He's rushing along the streets. They're crowded with 
walking as fast as he can take him, but he realizes he's, he might be late. And oh no, he kept thinking, I might not even make that light, because if he knows he makes that light, that light's going to take a long time to turn. That's going to put him like another five minutes late. Well, the pastor continues in the middle of this. Because he got to that light, and it changed in such ways that the pedestrians couldn't cross because the traffic was flowing, he was realizing he was lost in his thoughts. An overwhelming tide of things that he had to, go, had to do was going through his head. And then he started thinking of the people that he still had to speak with and meet with. Then he was thinking about some of the conversations that he just had earlier in the morning that he needed to follow up with a little bit later in the day. Then unfinished preparations of the church. Oh my gosh, Christmas was like in a couple of days and there's all this stuff to do. Oh, and then he had family coming. And was, was, did he have everything ready? And did he get the, the wife to-do list things all taken care of? And then possible threatening weather, getting ready to come into the capital city. And then pushing people and busy people and 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 on and on. His mind was racing as he was standing at this intersection, getting ready to go. And then he heard them. Them. They were a small group of young teenagers. They were huddled together just inside the, inter- you know, the sidewalks corner on the inside edge of it. Huddled together and they were singing. The stoplight changed. It was time for them to cross. And he should have continued because now he was going to be late. But for some reason, he stayed there. And for just a moment, it seemed, everything stopped. And in that stoppage, he heard them sing. It was a beautiful moment, he writes. A beautiful moment. He noticed that all of these, teen, these young, um, like you say, middle school age kids, these young teenagers, it's at that moment you notice they all had some sort of a, a developmental disability of some sort. Their disabilities mattered not, though, because they sang. Oh, how they sang. One lady, one young lady, one young child had Down syndrome. And she had the joy of holding the triangle and playing on that triangle. Whenever the director pointed at her, her face would just light up with this great big smile. And she just whacked that triangle. He said, I was captured by her. In that moment, she was bringing that Christmas message and the joy of her Lord to life. And he said, as I continued to listen to these young voices and they were singing and I was watching her play that triangle, my eyes teared up and something in my heart was touched and I was experiencing their joy. As the song concluded, I looked at those who were gathered around me and I noticed that all these other stressed out, busy, world leader type business people, government people, They'd all been captivated by that moment too. And many were dabbling eyes from their tears, eyes on their faces with te- from the tears as well. And standing there, just for a moment longer, I wondered, what is happening? Later I understood, as I thought about that event in the days and weeks to come, I understood. Every one of us there on the corner that day listening to them sing, we wanted to join them in their singing. We wanted to join them in telling them that 
we have disabilities too. He wanted to say, I long to have God's delight and purity leap out of me as it does in you as you sing, as you play that triangle. Oh Lord, he was thinking, can you bring your heavenly inspired song to this heart of someone like me so I could share it like they did? Something planted by God was touching that caroling youth. And through them, he writes, God was touching us all. The song they were singing, the last words, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. The beauty and power of the Washington, D.C. choir it did not stop or didn't, um, wasn't, how do I say this? The beauty and power of that story wasn't about just their singing and their, the beauty and power of the story was that what God was doing through them. The beauty and power of the story was how people were participating with God's plan of bringing joy and life and light to the whole world. That was the beauty of that day. And God, through a young choir, was touching lives and hearts of people with good news. And that's what God always wants to do. That's what God always wants to do. God wants to touch our minds and our hearts. The hearts and minds of all of His children across this earth with His love and His joy and His peace, His life. God, through the angel Gabriel, was doing just such a thing. It's not limited to the little choir on the side of a street of Washington, D.C. Long before that, an angel Gabriel was touched with the presence of God and was a worker and a powerful entity with his Lord. And on behalf of the Lord God, he went and he spoke to the minds and the hearts of the children. He found Zechariah and Elizabeth and he shared with them good news. And their minds and hearts were touched. And because of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the child that they were given, the whole world around them would be touched. John the Baptist entered the world to touch the minds and hearts of the people. And then through a young Virgin Mary, <coughs> a husband Joseph, and through the healing and power and forgiveness of that Christ child, the world was to be touched. She received it so she could give it. That was the story all along. Gabriel received it so he could give it. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they received it so they could give it. John received it so he could give it. Mary received it so that she could give it. God the Father is working in and through all of them. And in perfection, through His Son, Jesus. In that child, later on, you can almost see there's paintings. I've seen this. The painting of the cross... Christ child with the moonlight coming in. And when you look at the shadow on the other side, it's not the shadow of a manger, it's the shadow of a cross. Haunting painting, that is. Think about it. The moonlight coming in a window, there's a, a manger with a little baby, and it should be casting a shadow of the manger. Instead, it's casting the shadow of a cross. In this season, in this child, God's love is displayed. For the world to see. God's forgiveness is being offered even in the manger. And God is accompanying those who want His presence always even to the end of the age. 
That is the truth that is announced. That is the truth that is to be discovered. That is the truth that is gifted to everyone on earth in the Christmas story. And God uses His church to do it. He uses His church, Gabriel. He uses His church, Zechariah and Elizabeth and John. He uses His church, Mary, Joseph and Jesus. That is the church. We are the body of our Lord. He uses His church to convey that message. You are loved and you are forgiven and I'm with you always to the end of the age.